Welcome to Holding Center, a podcast created to help you own and hold center stage, not only on show day, but also in your life. I'm your host, Ashley Markham, owner of Myo Strength, and joined with me is my co-host, Ashley Spoker, owner of B&B Fit. Let's hold center. Yo, Spilks, what's up? What is going on? It looks like you got your hair done. I did. I did. And because you are very knowledgeable when it comes to like, I almost said cosmos. You're also knowledgeable with cosmos, but the cosmetology, I'll tell you. So obviously I'm a natural blonde, right? And so the transition from going from blonde to dark is like the, the, like really copper, like, you know, the copper redhead thing and then dark. Right. And I always did like a brown or a chocolate brown. And I tried to like edge closer to dark and this past time I told my hairdresser, Julie, which she is like literally the light of my life. I love her so much. She is an amazing human being um, and an amazing, amazing um, hairstylist. And I told her, I was like, I want to go dark, but not like black to the point where it's like matte. Like, I like, is there any way to keep the shine? You know what I'm saying? Because I really do like, like the glossy look. And she's like, I got you. And so she uses the company R&Co. I don't know if you're familiar with them at all. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so she uses the company R&Co. And I don't know the exact formula, obviously, because I'm not back there while she's being a super awesome chemist, but she did this the first time that I went like a few, like, I don't even know, 12, 16 weeks ago, whenever I got my hair done and I fell in love with this and it's no longer the darkest brown. It is the lightest black. And if you Mm -hmm. don't know that there are shades of black, yes, there is. And I love this hair. Like it is me. Yeah, no, I think it looks really good. Like the first thing I noticed when, when we saw each other and I was like dang dude like it looks really mm-hmm. good it has like that ash tone but yeah so like my hair is just naturally always has red undertones because yeah. my mom has red hair so um yeah so like I have like my dad has like black hair so I have dark hair um and then like but like the minute like in the summer if it starts to get like lighter and I sit in the sun a lot like it'll look like that red copper and I hate it I fucking hate it but I also like when I was in high school when I was in cosmetology class I had like bright red hair at one point um yeah no so yeah so I first the first time I ever colored my hair oh I lied so I was like I got really light I had like almost blonde hair like I had um I started doing a bunch of highlights in my brown hair and um got it really light and then after that I did like a 4RV which is a red violet and so it was like a very very dark deep purple with like red hues to it and then after that like my red hair just started literally like coming out so yeah um and it always has like that copper undertone and like, that's nice for some people, but like for me and you were like, no, don't like it. I have red undertones in my skin too. So it's just yeah. like, too much. I'm like, I just look like a little strawberry and I'm not about it, but it's always like so refreshing when you get your hair done, especially you since it was like fucking 10 months. Oh my gosh. Um, and even like the whole cancellation dance, that was a headache, but like, obviously like things happen. Like, although I have to say, so I went on Wednesday to get it colored. And this was the fourth time we had to reschedule. Like there was just like a lot of things that popped up and it was crazy because that was when the hurricane was hitting us, right? Like hitting Charleston. And so I was planning on leaving to go downtown at 1220 because I wanted to give myself an hour to get downtown because it was pouring, right? Like Mm -hmm. to the point where I shouldn't have been driving on all four wheels, but I even had to have a donut on my car because I got a flat. 
So I'm driving like in the middle of a fucking hurricane to get my hair done because I wanted my hair done. But anyway, I was planning on leaving at 1220, but decided not to, because like Eric and I were just on the couch. He was scratching my back, just giving me some love. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to leave at 1230. That should, that still gives me like 45 minutes. That should be plenty. Right. Mm -hmm. At 1220, the exact place where I would have been turning to get on like 52, which is like a state route down here. A, a mini tornado hit and I saw the accident from that little mini tornado where it flipped a car on its hood. So had I left at 1220, I either A, would have been in the tornado or B, I would have saw it live. Fuck, man. Dude, I like got chills when I saw like the the video captured because I was like, that could have been me. So like- <laughs> You know, universe God was doing some hella protection. I made it. I got my hair done. I feel like a slice. And yeah, I'm feeling good. I feel like every time I think of a tornado, which is just like so not cool because they obviously do cause a lot of damage. But I honestly just always think of like the Wizard of Oz. Like, and there's like, oh, there's a tornado. Like, you'll just end up in Ozland and just have red ruby slippers and shit. Like, it's so weird. Right. But yeah, Mother Nature is really upset with us right now between like the hurricanes, tornadoes. Like we had one in Cleveland actually last week. And then someone said, Yeah, yeah, it was wild. Um, we had like a whole bunch of rain. My basement flooded. I I shouldn't say flooded because I learned what it means when your basement floods, and it means there has to be at least four inches of water from corner to corner. So there's like a definition. I bet it's for insurance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So because I was like, oh my God, like um, Alex and I were like, do we need to call like this waterproofing company? But it's just on the one side of my house and it just like leaks in a little bit and it's probably maybe like a half inch deep and it comes out maybe like two feet from the wall. And I think it's just because there's so much rain in a short period of time and I don't have enough dirt to slope it out. So the ground gets really soaked and there's probably some types of cracks in the foundation, unfortunately, just yeah. because of the fact that my house was built in like 1980. Mm-hmm. Um, so that happened. But then I guess like while that was going on, there was like a huge tornado um, more east of us, probably like 45 minutes east of us. Not like a huge yeah. tornado, but a lot of winds or whatever they classify as a tornado in Cleveland. I was like, this is ridiculous. But yeah, like with the hurricanes going on, which I think was actually a tropical storm by the time it made landfall. Um, not that that is the world of a big difference, but definitely a lot of flooding down there. You guys had your tornado, like, you know, California is still on fire. I mean, it's never not going to be on fire. Um, but yeah, yeah. I just think mother nature is, is pretty mad at us, but I'm glad through all of that, you were just so determined to get your hair done and it looks great. I mean, it does look great. And in, in hindsight, I definitely should have canceled, especially when I saw that accident. But again, it was the fourth time rescheduling. I'm like, we're going, I wouldn't we're just have. going. I wouldn't have. Yeah. So I feel it. I would have. Yeah. Nope. But how are you? So enough of my hair, enough of my hair care and my hair journey. Um, I am good. I am currently um, underneath my desk. I have a Tupperware container filled with water and Epsom salt because I have ingrown toenails. I'm soaking my toe right now. That's the worst, dude. I don't know what it's from. I keep going. Like, I mean, I go and get pedicures. Like I, okay, this is going to sound bad guys, but like, I don't think I would even know how to cut my toenails or my fingernails because I haven't done it in probably four years. Yeah. Um, because I go and get my shit done. I pay right. someone to fuck do it. Right. So I had a pedicure not too long ago and I had an ingrown toenail on my other toe and she got it out for me. And now this one just showed up today and I'm like, not happy about it. Cause it kind of hurts. So 
I read on the Google that you can soak it and that should help. And then it was like, yeah, if you go see your doctor, there's all of these disgusting things that they do, like put floss down the side of your toe to try and like lift it. I, yeah, oh, that was the face I made. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I read like the first intervention and I was like, no, we're not doing it. This is disgusting. And it was like floss or something. And I was like, no, I'd rather, I would rather get my toe amputated than you fucking do that. Like that sounds disgusting. So maybe I won't have a toe by the next, next week we record, but. Could it be that- like your shoe box? Cause like I had issues with my toe box being so narrow. Um, especially like now where it's like, I have a wider toe box shoe. So that way my toes aren't like cramped on top of each other. Cause I think sometimes that friction can cause like inflammation and extra sweat, which is how like I usually get blisters underneath my toenail. Um, but in your case, maybe it's just like getting infection, um, where it's like causing that. So maybe like a wider toe box shoe could help you. Yeah. So I actually just switched like a few months ago to the wider shoes. Um, yeah. I got Hoka's like the wide ones. Like, so okay. Hoka's are wider, but then I got like the even wider ones because they make wide width ones. So, um, I got those, but then like I was wearing these other shoes the other day that are not wide and they cram all my toes together so I wonder if it was just from like that one single incident that it was like yep we're not doing this because I haven't worn Oof. yeah it's like a bit much but that is my current issue for the week but tomorrow ooh, tomorrow we have a thing called Oktoberfest which if you guys aren't familiar with it's a German I'm gonna call it a German holiday no it is um, it definitely is huge in Germany oh yeah yeah it's a holiday and it's, it's an event yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I am German. I've gone for quite a few years now um, and it's fun. Um, When I used to be a heavy drinker, it was great. I loved it even (laughs) more. I still love it. It's fun. They have like, um, it's at a fairground. So they have a whole bunch of German bands and dancing and they have the the strongman competition and it's not the strongman competition that you guys are thinking of it's the one where you hold your beer stein out if you don't know what a beer stein is it's like a giant mug and you hold it out in front of you and you see how long you can hold it with the beer in your hand and it's like really intense for your shoulders so it's a really good workout for that for these really overweight beer belly guys but um, my favorite part of the Oktoberfest um, besides all of the the bands and the dancing and the costumes and food is is they have a wiener dog race um that they put on yeah oh my god they have like heats so like if your dog wins it keeps advancing and then they have like a senior category a puppies an adult and then they have like the winner's circle for those dogs and then they also have a um costume contest for the wiener dogs <laughs> and i have a wiener dog if you guys didn't know she's a wiener dog chihuahua so i absolutely love going i think it's adorable i think it's fun i love watching them run i love the people who put their like 15 year old dogs in there and everyone cheers like it makes me cry because we all support this dog so much to finish its race and its goals and i love it for that dog <laughs> that's incredible i love that for you and for your wiener dog Yes, I just love we- like if I could adopt twenty of them, I probably would. It's probably not like you have a wiener dog army, dude. Yeah, the wiener army. I'm about it. <laughs> you could like for like um Christmas and stuff, you could like dress up as Santa Claus and like have them as like your little reindeer, like pulling your sled. Oh my god, yes, dude. Don't tempt me. I'm about. We're going to the. Well, on this is funny on the website that they have like promoting this. It says like, hey, like if you're interested in adopting dachshunds like here's the dachshund rescue of ohio or northeast ohio and there is no dogs for adoption right now so i hope everyone adopted their dogs and put them adopted these wiener dogs and put them in the race for the weekend (laughs) which is so happy that they're they're all adopted that there's no dogs to be to be adopted and don't have homes so i love that 
Good, good. Well, I love that. And yeah, no, my uh, father-in-law is really big into Oktoberfest. Like he brews his own beer and stuff like that. And he goes to like local Oktoberfest. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it goes to local Oktoberfest, obviously, because it is a big holiday, especially for beer and stuff like that. And I know he's done like, I think he's done competitions or at least he always brews an Oktoberfest to have like people over or whatever. But every single year, he's like, you need to be a Stein maiden. He's like, you need to enter into <laughs> like the, the, the strong woman competition to hold right. your Stein for, you know, whatever, whatever length. And I'm like, yeah, I probably could enter. But at the same time, it's not the same as like lifting weights. It's a skill oh. and endurance and also wrist strength. And it's not like I'm, you know, like fapping where it's like, I have right. killer arm strength and stuff like that. Like, yeah, my delts are good, but like my, my wrists and my forearm, I don't train those. Right. And th- I bet you those bitches train. Oh yeah. I'm sure they do. They just, they, I guarantee you, they probably stand in their garage, like when they're already shit faced and just hold their, their steins out and be like, here we go. Let's practice for Oktoberfest. But it is definitely a different kind of strength. Like I know a lot of people, I'm sure you've heard this as well as some of our followers when people are like, Oh, what do you lift all those weight for? What do you mean? You can't lift this up. Like, I'm like, dude, it's weightlifting. It's a specific movement. It is a specific movement pattern. It is not the same as being like, just like human strength like yeah. it really it's completely different yeah dude specificity specificity which is actually a really good segue into our topic about learning to like set up you know your own training kind of like how to be your own coach and setting up the training and kind of like the basics right and mm-hmm. obviously specificity is like oh well you want to train what you want to grow right which is why as like bodybuilders or people wanting to grow muscle we're not like going and swimming right not that swimming is not like a good thing for endurance it's not that you like wouldn't change your body by swimming, but like, obviously like when you are wanting to do a specific task, you need to define your goals. Like what is your goal? And I obviously the big common one is like, Oh, I want to grow muscle and shred fat. It's like, okay, great. We've defined the goal, but those are also conflicting goals because one would require a surplus to actually grow muscle and one, a deficit to shred fat. Now, obviously if you are new to actually training and not working out, which they are different you know, verbs, in my opinion, you know, I worked out for years, but I didn't start training until like two and a half years ago. Right. And like that mindset is different. So it's important to understand, to define your goal and then make decisions based on that goal. So if your goal is to like be strong and add muscle, then you want to make sure your, your weight training, your resistance training, you're going to the gym and you're challenging yourself in a progressive overload manner where you are doing more work over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think definitely like step one and being able to set up your, your training is definitely defining your goal. And like Ash said, like sometimes people do have like conflicting goals and your goal can be whatever it, it, it may be. It could be, you know, I want to build muscle. Like Ash said, I want to be able to lift X, Y, and Z pounds for this many reps. Like if you're more of like a powerlifting athlete, like but having a definitive goal is going to set you up for success when it goes to planning these training programs. Because if you don't have a specific goal, you'll probably fall into the category that Ash kind of mentioned of like working out where you just kind of show up. You don't really have anything like super set. You're not really, as far as like for me and my experiences, like you're not really dead focused on like progressively overloading in those lifts. So I definitely think defining that goal and being pretty specific as to to what you need to do in order to get that goal. So that's like step number two is like pretty much doing a, a assessment of yourself, like subjectively. So you you have this goal. So let's just use myself as an example. My goal is to be a bikini athlete. Mm-hmm. 
And so knowing the criteria, knowing I have to build muscle at some point, I will have to, to shed fat. But right now I it, it's building muscle to bring that bikini shape, to bring that hourglass shape, those delts, the glutes, the tie-ins, all of those good things in a small waist. So then I have to you know, subjectively assess myself. And it can be kind of difficult because, you know, when you have to call yourself out, like that can, you know, be like, oh shit. Yeah. Like I really am not as good in this area and it can kind of hurt, you know, but it, it shows that like you're taking your goal seriously. So for me, like my glutes suck, my lower half sucks, my muscle density sucks. And I don't mean it, it sucks because it really doesn't. Mm. Um, it's just lack thereof because of the goal that I have for myself. So for me, my goal is bikini. And then my self-assessment is, okay, I really definitely need to bring up my glutes, my hamstrings, and probably a little bit of my rear delts. So making that assessment, now I can define like, okay, hey, how am I going to set up my training program? What is this training program going to look like um, when it comes to building these lacking areas, right? Um, so like I am more of like an upper body dominant type of person. So that way I can also realize too, that I'm like, okay, Hey, like I need to bring up this lower half. So maybe I need to do lower half more times a week than upper body. So once you kind of have those two, two things figured out, you can start to kind of pinpoint like, Hey, what do I need to do next? What are my next steps in order for me to get my current self-assessment to those goals? Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, because again, I think it's important to understand and address the fact that fitness is a spectrum, right? So like obviously bodybuilding is at the other end of the spectrum when it comes to, you know, physique development and muscle growth and hypertrophy and all that stuff. But what if you're someone that just wants to like be healthy for yourself or your family or your kids or whatever, then like, again, still kind of defining your goal and assessing yourself subjectively is part of that process because your, your why is different. Therefore your training is probably going to look a little bit different too. Right. And you have to define like what healthy means to you is healthy being able to like, okay, cool. My kid can likes to play baseball. I want to be able to run around all of the plates twice. That's my goal of being healthy, be able when he hits a really far ball in the field, like in far left, I want to be able to run out there and get it and come back by the time he gets to third base. Like those are even really, really good goals. So then you have to assess, okay, well, can I even run? Well, no, maybe not yet. So what are you going to do to get there? Right? Like, what are your steps to take? And this is like the thought process you need to have when setting up your, your training. Mm-hmm. And it's a thought process you need to have if you're going to be your own coach, because it's a thought process that we have as coaches. And so the first thing that I like to consider is adherence and enjoyment, right? Because like, no matter what, no matter how many days you can commit, no matter what body part you want to bring up, no matter whatever your goal is, if you are not enjoying it and therefore following it consistently, everything else is for naught. And that also includes your nutrition programming and all the other things that you might be taking into consideration as you make these lifestyle changes for your health, right? So Something that I like to ask my athletes is like, Hey, like, what are some exercises you enjoy doing? What are some exercises you don't enjoy doing and why? Mm -hmm. Right. Because I also like to ask their schedule. Cause it's like, okay, well, if I'm thinking like maybe four or five days a week, but their schedule only allows three. Okay. Well, I'm not going to tell them, Hey, you need to be going to the gym five days a week when three is already a struggle. Right. So you have to like put things into perspective and be honest with yourself, which also goes into like 
that, you know, assessing yourself subjectively, it's not even just your body. It's about like your whole life because you need to be realistic with your expectations. And that, like I said, goes for us coaches as well. So when you kind of pinpoint like, okay, well, I can feasibly commit to three days a week, but maybe once I get my schedule fixed out, I could commit to four. Great. Cool. That's something that you can revisit later on, but you want to make sure that you do have some enjoyment as well. Not saying that every single exercise has to be like willy nilly, because like, obviously like it is going to be hard. It is going to be challenging, but if you have a really hard time, maybe connecting with a movement and you don't understand how to perform it, you know, you can do your own research. You absolutely should like compare your form against like, you know, people that are respected in the industry when it comes to like breaking down form, maybe ask questions, that's completely fine. But at the same time, like if you really don't enjoy a movement, like don't program that or maybe don't program it consistently. Like it's fine to make swaps here and there. But like for me, I hate pulling from the floor for deadlifts, right? Hate it. Have no connection. I always have low back issues with it. So do I do instead? I do variations that still challenge those similar muscle groups And for example, I do pitch shark RDLs. I love them. I get the best connection with my glutes and my hamstrings and I can progressively overload with it. So could I program deadlifts? Yes, I choose not to. Yeah, I hate squatting. I haven't squatted in six years and I won't ever do it again. I'll say that right now. If my coach were to ever put them in my program, I would skip them every week and I would tell them I'm not doing them because I I don't. I don't know what it is. I hate squatting. I don't, it just doesn't feel good for that. Actually, like, unlike you, like you said, you have like lower back issues or like, you know, you just don't enjoy it. I I 100% have like no enjoyment. I don't have any issues with squatting. I've never had any issues with squatting. I just absolutely fucking hate it. So for me, it's not going to be in my program, nor will it ever be in my program. If, unless, I should say unless, because there's always a clause for everything. Never say never, right? Um, Unless I like 1000% needed it for me to turn pro. But other than that, no, like it's not fucking happening. Um, but I guess I do think enjoyment plays a huge role in like with, with adherence, because if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to be, you know, adhering mm-hmm. to it. And if it's miserable, then you're not going to be able to sustain those number of days per week that you have planned for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, kind of once we, we have our assessment and once you figure out what exercises you do and you don't like, or, and it could be a learning thing too. You can, program your stuff. So say for your leg day, you have, um, squats, RDL, hip thrust, walking lunges, and some calf raises. You go in, you do that for two weeks. You're like, wow, you know, this is okay. Like weightlifting's new. I'm trying to fill it out. You come to that third week and you're like, wow, I really fucking hate, you know, barbell RDLs. I'm not, I don't want to do them. Oh, but wait, let me try dumbbell RDLs. Okay. I like those. Then I'm going to do those because that's something that I can stick with more. Right. And I can consistently do that. And sometimes too, you may realize that you're doing things for, you know, a couple months and they've been okay. But after a while, like we all get fatigued of certain things. So you can, you have the ability to swap out. Right. But if there are some things that you don't like, you're not going to do them and then you're not going to be adherent. And then, you know, it's going to stem back to, are we reaching our goals? Right. Mm -hmm. So I think definitely figuring out how many days you can commit to is a really, really good starting point, but also too, on the hindsight of that, you have to understand how many days you can recover as well. Right. So I used to train six days a week. One of those days was yoga and body movement, but I trained five days a week. I could not recover. That was an issue. I was not growing because I was not training hard enough. Right. So I only train four days a week now, um, sometimes three, depending on how sore my body is. But, um, if you, if you can't recover from it, then again, it's one, it's not going to be 
enjoyable. And two, you may not see the outcomes that you want to see because your body is so run down. You will have high inflammation. Um, you will not be enjoying the process. And there, I mean, granted, there are a lot of things that we could talk about with when it comes to like overtraining and recovery, which may be good for another podcast, but, um, you just have to be aware of that again, self-assessment where it talks like, Hey, okay, three days a week. That's good. Maybe I can add that fourth one. In. And if fourth is your happy spot, fabulous. If you try and go for it and you're like, Ooh, no, not happening. Like I just trained so fucking hard on those three days, three days is your happy spot. And that's okay. Exactly. So then like, once you kind of like think about your enjoyment and adherence, then it's like, okay, well now we can start building out the plan. So how many days can you commit? Right. And this is where you need to start being reasonable. Like I said, like if you can only commit three, start with three. And then how many days can you recover from when it comes to like, not just like doms. Cause like, obviously, especially when you start a new training program, you're going to feel freaking sore. Right. So like Ash said, give it like two, three weeks. Right. But if you're like, let's say you're training four days a week and the next time you touch like similar muscle groups, they're still not recovered. Then it's like, well, maybe you have too much volume. Right. Or maybe your food's like wrong or your recovery is wrong from like either a sleep standpoint, a, a nutrition standpoint, or again, a volume intensity imbalance when it comes to your overall programming. And then from there, it's like, once you realize how many days you can commit, then that's how you can start to think about how many exercises or how many working sets. So for example, if you're only training twice a week, well, you're probably going to be doing two full body movements, like two full body days, right? If you're doing three days a week, maybe you could do a push pull legs. If you're doing four days a week, that could be an upper lower split. Five days a week and six days a week, that's where you get into more specialized training, more advanced concepts. And that's not something that I would really recommend a, a new person to begin on because chances are you're not going to have the recovery capacity to recover, especially from six days. Maybe you could get away from five if you want to do like a bro split where it's like, you know, chest, shoulders, arms, legs, back. But even then, it's like be willing to think outside the box with your programming to make sure you can feasibly commit to it. And then from there, you can assess like how many sets and how many exercises, because that really does depend upon how many days you can commit to the gym and be consistent with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like if you're only going like two days a week, you may be able to fit in more exercises, more reps, because you have that time to recover. You have that time to, um, you know, that commitment of like, Hey, I can be at the gym a little bit longer on these days because I'm only, you know, I plan for these two days. It's, it's great. So I, do you, let me ask you, do you have like a hard stop on like how many exercises per like lift that you would program for an athlete or for yourself? Because I personally do Obviously it's like flexible, but I do to a point, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't like to program more than eight exercises. I feel like if you're like pounding yourself, cause here's the, I used to work with a coach and I'm not going to name names, but I literally pulled up his programming the other day just to reflect upon like how I've grown as an athlete and also how I've grown as a coach. Because like, obviously sometimes when you work with a coach, like you tend to be a little bit more biased toward whatever you're doing. And you might ask your athletes to do the same thing. 15. 15 mm. different glute exercises. They, My, like they were supersets, drop sets, and I had five to six sets of most things. Kill and me. I'm talking like working sets. And I put that in air quotes because you know damn well you're not working, you're fatiguing, right? So 
I don't like to program more than eight exercises. So if we are, even if we're doing two full body days, right? So if we're doing two full body days, chances are I'm not going to have like three different bicep movements, right? I'm going to focus more on our compound lifts. So squatting movements, deadlifting motions, uh, rowing motions, pulling or pushing movements. Like I'm going to try to get more bang for your buck when it comes to compounds and then maybe sprinkle in a little bit of isolation. Like, okay, maybe we do want to like, have one bicep one day and one tricep the other day, just if, you know, just for overall completeness, making sure you're balancing, you're pushing, you're pulling, you know, you're extending and you're, you know, flexing because, you know, you want to make sure you're, <laughs> you're symmetrical and not creating imbalances, but really I, more than eight, unless they're, they're only like one working set. But even then it's like, I feel like eight is the sweet pot, sweet spot for most people is a sweet spot for me. Um, normally I average between six and eight and just keep it, keep it like that. What about you? That's hilarious. I'm seven, seven and under. Yep. Uh, I have found that for myself and for a lot of people, um, that when it gets over seven, it's usually, they will start skipping something in their workout mm -hmm. to get it done. Um, fatigue is higher. I feel like adherence is lower. I feel like it's not enjoyable. It's a drag. Um, I was kind of in the same boat as you, I would have, um, circuit workouts is what they were called. And it would be three circuits of four exercises each. So that's 12 exercises. And you would run through those four exercises, rest for a minute, go to the next set of four, next set of four. And then you would repeat that whole thing three times. Um, the workouts were like, so it was like hit pretty much is what it, you know, like, a yeah, it sounds like giant sets, but yeah. Programmed poorly. Yes. No, it definitely was like it, they were giant sets. Yes. Massive sets. So, um, for me, I learned that yes, seven is that sweet spot. Um, also too, I also asked my athletes too, like, Hey, like, how long are you spending in the gym? Is it too long for you? Like mentally, because towards the end of your workout, you start to be like, I'm not as focused. I can't, you know, and like, that is something that you'll learn over time to, to kind of get through that. I need to push through mentality. Um, but at first it, it can kind of be hard. You lose focus. Um, so if you need to, you know, maybe drop an exercise out and put it on a different day or drop it out completely until you build up that mental resilience or even physical resilience, because it can just be too hard to, if you're coming from nothing and going to, to doing these things, it's okay to drop that off and then re-add it back in, right? So if you only start off with five exercises per lift and you're like, okay, cool, I'm going to add in a sixth one, you know, that's great too. But personally, that's why I asked you, Ash, like if there was a, a set number where you're like, hey, like anything over that is just too much, it's too long you're starting to run into the area, like you said, where you're just fatiguing your muscles. You're not even really building. You're just honestly exhausted um, physically and mentally at that point. Um, so I think not only does, does the exercise play into a role, but how many sets are you doing as well for each of these exercises? Um, me specifically, when I program things, I will look at areas of weaknesses and areas of strength based on their goals. Like we talked about, again, that self-assessment. I'm probably going to say it a hundred fucking times during this podcast and that's all right. Um, so like for me, like my delts are very built up. Most of my delts, I only have two sets. My legs, they will be anywhere from four or five sets. Usually not five. Um, mostly all of my, my lower bodies are four sets. Um, but that is because that is my area of weakness and that's what needs to grow. So we're going to add more volume to those areas and the areas that don't need to grow as much. It's more so just maintaining to create that balance based on my goal of becoming a bikini athlete. 
Yeah. So for me, it's like, obviously very, very similar thinking. It's like, where are your lagging parts? Because that's going to get more volume, but also making sure we are smart with the intensity because there's a, a dose relationship curve between volume and intensity. So the less intense you are, so the less effective reps you're achieving because you're not pushing yourself and challenging yourself, the more volume you're going to need to stimulate muscle growth, to add that lean tissue, right? So obviously if you're training hard, we're talking like two RIR and above. So like one RIR or complete failure, that's where it's like, you don't need as much volume because you're not going to be able to recover. And if you're not recovering, you're not growing. And so for myself, like if we're taking someone completely new to the gym where they have no idea what like a rep and reserve is RPE, any of that, they're likely to get a bit more volume as we work on perfecting form perfecting intensity and like learning how to train. Right. But obviously once they start to like learn what it is to to train and not just go to the gym, work out that volume comes down. Right. That's where it's like, okay, we're now we found what like RIR one or two, or even complete failure looks like. We know what that feels like. And because I don't want to dig them into a hole, like we, we will pull that back. But at the same time, like It also does depend between like certain like mentalities, because obviously like a lifestyle athlete that is just wanting to like go to the gym for health, they are unlikely, and this is not a bash, but they are unlikely to want to suffer and dig deep. Whereas like us athletes, we tend to want to punish ourselves to the point where sometimes it's like, we need to like not do that. You know what I'm saying? Because like, we are so hungry for growth and winning pro cards or winning overalls that like, we have no problem like really digging deep and just being brutal. Whereas like most lifestyle athletes, like they, they don't want that. So therefore like I might keep the volume just a, a tad higher while keeping into account their ability to recover. Because I also don't want them to, again, that enjoyment process, if they don't enjoy training till failure, because like it is really freaking hard. I'm not going to have them train till failure because then they're going to be like, oh, I don't want to go to the gym because it's going to be too hard and they're going to quit. And I don't want them to quit. Right. Yeah. No, I, no, I agree. And I think intensity is a really, really key point of everything that we talk about here. Um, I mean, everything is very important, but I also think intensity can, can definitely change your workout, can change your physique, can change you getting closer to your goals. Um, so you can have, you know, say you're doing all three. So say we're doing bicep curls, you have three sets, um, and you're doing eight to 10 reps for those sets. Um, but what is your intensity? Ash touched a little bit on different ways to measure intensity, RIR and RPE. That's not something we're going to get into today, but it is just a form of like knowing how hard you're pushing. You can rate it on a scale of essentially one to 10. Like, are you at a one or are you at a 10, right? Maybe we're at a five. Um, and I think when you can think about that and be like, okay, can I push harder? Can I push more? Is something that really plays a, po- a role in, in building that muscle and building that foundation as well as, you know, obviously on the hindsight of it is the ability to recover. But I do think when you're first starting now it's hard to gauge the intensity of training. You think you're going hard. You're really not. Unfortunately, hate to break it to you guys. Most of the time, nobody knows how to train. I was the same way. I'm sure Ash was as well, Um, but you learn over time and being able to build those intensities in there. um, You know, when you have this, like, say, you know, you have your two sets. I don't know if you were like this, Ash, but like the way that I train is I will have like feeder sets, so to speak, or warm up sets. And then I will have one top set. And my top set is like a 10 out of 10 train. 
my other sets are working my weight up. Um, intensity is like, you know, one to two RIR. Last one is complete failure. And then obviously um, that's kind of just how I do um, my training in order to be able to, to recover. One thing I do want to talk about in intensity as well, um, this gets into a little bit deeper into your training thing, but some people believe in um, deload weeks uh, when it comes to training rather than having a whole week of just taking something off of just resting for a week when your body is telling you, but they do have, um, you know, I'm sure people have heard it is a deload is where you kind of bring the intensity down, bring the weight down, things like that to allow your body to recover. Not something that I recommend. I will just pull people out, but this is something that does go along with training and intensity. Um, but that is like my two cents on it. I do think intensity is very, very important. And I think you have a lot more <laughs> in you than, than you really think you do, but there are different ways to, to, um, pretty much measure intensity other than, or adding in intensifiers, increasing your, um, workout to be a little bit more difficult. I'm just going to name a few. I'm sure Ash has a lot more. So this is outside of doing your normal reps, your normal sets. Um, these are adding in more intensity, making the workout more difficult, making it fucking harder for you. I like to use the term forcing growth. Um, because not only does it challenge you physically, but mentally it does as well. Um, so some intensifiers, um, there are a time, the most common one is going to be drop sets or supersets, um, you know, as well as back down sets, rest pauses, negative reps. Um, you do muscle rounds. I think that's something that you will. Yeah. So muscle rounds are essentially just another form of cluster set, like a rest pause where you are like failing multiple times or accumulating more effective reps. Uh, yeah. Um, not something I do. I mostly just stick with back down sets and, and, and drop sets, but, um, because I think that that works the well and I, well, and I also think it's what most people are capable of doing. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't do a lot of rest pause sets and that's what you do. Um, and maybe that's what you program for some people, but like, do you notice that at, I mean, again, it's like a learning curve, but like people will not take it as intensely as they should when it comes to those. I actually haven't programmed rest pause sets in quite some time. Like I throw it in sometimes in a certain like movement that makes sense. So if I'm not going to rest pause a deadlift or a squat, mm -hmm. like that just sounds like an injury waiting to be happening. But like, for me, like it's more like encouraging for most athletes. Cause you have to gauge the athlete's mindset. If they're like, I don't want to say wimping out, but like, if you know, they're hesitant till failure, I'm not going to do rest pause for them because like, they're not going to get after it. Your first set, like you said, I want the athletes that are like, yo, I'm ready to freaking go. Like people like who have a, a very similar like mindset to me, which is why I like doing rest pause sets, but really cluster sets for myself, because like, I want more reps. I don't mind those last grinder sets where your brain is like, Hey, we should have stopped eight reps ago. And your, your heart's like, nah, fuck that. So like you have to gauge the athlete's mentality and again, their enjoyment. So if they're willing to like embrace the suffer, oh yeah, we'll do some rest pause or we'll do like cluster sets, muscle rounds. But for athletes that like have a, a different mindset, I might do something a bit different if they even need intensifiers, right? Cause it's always a needs analysis. So if they're getting great engagement and they're growing on straight sets, cool. But the reason why I like to program intensifiers is either we're a in a growth phase where food is higher, we have better recoverability. We can handle a bit more like effective volume Then sure. Let's sprinkle those in. 
Um, or if we're on like PEDs were enhanced because like, obviously again, you're going to have greater recoverability because muscle protein synthesis is increased as well as muscle protein breakdown is decreased from those, um, PEDs, those enhancements. But I don't like sprinkling in like intensifiers. If I know that the overall output and intensity is not good to begin with, because then we're just accumulating volume for the sake of essentially tiring out, fatiguing, feeling like you got a good workout when we need a, a better like mind muscle connection or a better mindset when it comes to those top sets or back down sets. Yes, no, I agree on, well, mostly I want to say that I agree with, you know, adding intensifiers in, is that a needs analysis um, to kind of, if you're in a good spot to, to add them in. Um, but yes, no, I definitely think it's a needs analysis. It's, it's where, as always, like where you need it, when you need it as well. Um, so for, for you, when it comes to, to programming, you, I know you kind of mentioned it a little bit and I want you to talk a little bit more about it. Sorry, my dog just ran by, um, you know, at what point would you add those in or would you take them out away from somebody um, when it comes to t- intensifiers and really stepping up that training to the next level? So again, adding intensifiers would most likely be when food is high, caloric surplus growing, or I can tell that we need a bit more volume to grow, but we don't have the recoverability from doing another straight set. And this could either be because recovery isn't as primed or their central, which also includes muscles, but also their central nervous system couldn't handle another set because sometimes three straight sets, four straight sets is brutal, right? It is brutal. It's also more time, right? Because like we typically don't time our rests as bodybuilders. We like to give adequate rests. And so like, rather than doing 60 to 90 seconds, like it's more, it's probably on the, the level of like two minutes plus maybe like 90 seconds. If, if it's like a smaller muscle group and you do feel recovered, or if you're also female, because obviously females have a, a quicker recovery threshold compared to males. Um, I will do intensifiers if we're trying to add more volume without completely wrecking their central nervous system or also saving them time. Cause again, like you have rest time and you have time in the set. And so they're like, Hey, I don't have the time to do you know more straight sets of this. Then, like, okay, great. Let's make it a rest pause. Let's do a cluster set, maybe a drop set, right? So that way you're getting more time under that tension, more of that like loading, more of those effective reps without adding, you know, an extra five minutes per exercise per movement, because that's going to add up right now. Where will I take it away? Um, I typically remove it when we're in like a holding phase or a health phase where, you know, food is starting to, to drop. We're no longer in a surplus. We're wanting to like hold on to that muscle that we built, Um, if we're dieting, like this is where it gets a little tricky, right? Because I don't want to brutally put them in the ground, right? So this is where volume becomes a a delicate game where I might keep a intensifier in, but more a cluster set. So that way we're not doing more straight sets and like we're losing, you know, our ability to, to have good performance and good output. So if we have one working set of like a muscle round, where it's like we're accumulating those effective reps, we're holding on to that tissue. I'd much rather have one of those versus, you know, two working sets plus a triple drop set, because like you might not be able to recover from that. And if you're not recovering, well, guess what? Then we have an imbalance between, you know, 
you know, keeping the lean mass versus losing it, unfortunately. So it really is athlete dependent, what phase they're in, what they're able to recover from, because like, that's where it dictates, you know, what intensifier that we may or may not use, but for contest prep, I'm not going to be using things like triple drop sets. Like you, you were just asking for a, a recovery hole. You're asking for extra inflammation and like, yeah, you might be getting some gnarly pumps, but like your output, especially as you get leaner is not going to be nearly as good. Oh yeah. No, everything starts to kind of dwindle down and mm -hmm. become poopy to be honest yeah. with you. But I think, um, unless you have anything more to add on like what else needs to be incorporated in training when designing your own plan and being your own coach, I think we touched on a lot here. Um, you know, whether that's defining or starting with defining your goal, um, really taking into account that self-assessment and self-awareness of like where we need to start. And another thing I just want to add in while we're kind of wrapping up here is don't expect if your goal, I'm just going to use it like a lame example. If your goal is to be able to like ride a five mile bike ride don't expect to like show up on day one it's gonna fucking happen right like you okay but that's why we're saying these things is like have that self-assessment start off slow you can always add things in figuring out how many days you need to train um whether that is three four or five days um being able to enjoy your what you're doing um as well as making sure that those a lot of days, a lot of workouts, a lot of exercises are something that you're going to be able to stick to, adhere to, make sure they feel good, make sure it's not anything that is, you know, causing an injury to exacerbate. Um, you can always adapt. Obviously, you're going to need more help than just removing the exercise, um, as well as, you know, figuring out how many exercises, which mean Ash kind of put a hard number on that, but everyone is going to be different. But we definitely think anything eight and under is going to be better. Um, with that being said, I don't want people to think that only going in the gym and doing one exercise is going to be enough because it's not um, just saying, I mean, maybe it is if you're just starting out, but aim for like three to eight, let's start there. Um, and then, you know, seeing how many straight sets, whether that's three, four or five, um, you know, maybe some things need less sets, maybe some needs more. And then adding in those intensifiers, um, whether it is being a superset, a drop set, pause set, whatever that may be. I know some of these terms, if you're listening and you don't know what we're talking about, um, always reach out to Asher. I, um, you know, we're always open to helping you guys. If this is one of those things where you're like, wow, like uh, I need even more help with my training. Obviously our rosters are open. Um, contact either one of us and we'll be more than happy to help you guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if I could just give like one, like final, like tidbit, you can train harder than you think you do. And the harder that you train, the less that you need. The goal is not to have four, five, six plus sets of rep ranges 10 to 15. Cause that's where my upbringing was, right? I thought every exercise needed to be four sets, 10 to 15 reps. And I just needed to like burn myself into the ground. And that was when I was working out. But when I learned how to train and bring a level of intensity and not always like do 10 to 15 reps, like I varied my rep ranges from six all the way to 25. Like that's when I started to grow the most. And it really was that intensity. It wasn't that volume. So especially for the women out there, like, don't be afraid to show the boys how strong you are because like, you're a lot stronger than you think you are, but guys, thanks for so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next week until then. Peace. Adios.